You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Trying again. <laughs> All right. Well, hello and welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Um Probably not the worst thing that we're going to start off talking about game six and seven of the Bucks while we are distracted by the currently ongoing Brewers game. Um, I could use a little distraction from game six and seven, but um, Jake and I are going to talk about game six and seven. So we got to do it. It's, you know, it's, it it happened. They happened. The games happened. Um, The Bucks lost game six and seven, just like they beat Brooklyn in game six and seven last year um, to win that series and move on kind of unfortunate for the Bucks that you know the well, likely hardest game hardest series that they face happens in the second round for the second year in a row yep. but you know ultimately the Bucks just kind of ran out of gas but we're going to talk about game six and seven and then we're not going to spend a ton of time on those we're going to pivot to a handful of things we want to talk about that comes to basketball so we want to talk about there being more to the game than scoring also uh, defensive philosophies, all this, you know, all these discussions, it seems easy and, you know, it's simple, do this and this won't happen, but it's not that easy. So Jake and I want to talk about it as the Braves are probably going to take a lead here again. Yep. There you go. Braves got six, five lead now. All right. Well, let's start with game six and, uh, let's run through game six. All right. Uh, well, game six. Uh, I really thought that the yep they just took the lead. I'm a little behind Tyler, so after he says something and I see how it happens. But uh, Giannis was incredible in game six. I want to throw that out there. Yep. Um, Forty-four points, twenty rebounds, six assists, fourteen of thirty, which is actually very efficient. You know, people are. I saw people talking about how oh he wasn't very efficient. Fourteen to thirty is horrible. And when you look and you broke down his shot chart, he actually took a ton of shots outside of the paint because of how they were defending him. Um, even if he, even if he was just in the paint, you know, as many times as he was getting hacked and, and scraped across the arm and pushed to the ground, and you know, fourteen to thirty, you know, under those circumstances is Slightly still fifty percent. I mean, yeah, still, still impressive to me. Um, the Bucks just plain and simple couldn't shoot. 
You know, and this was a trend that happened for two games in a row. Uh, really, the entire series, they didn't shoot very well overall. But we only had seven made threes, seven of 29. So they're 17 of 43. So that's 10 less three-pointers right there. That's a ton of points. Uh, free throw line, we were efficient. They were not efficient. So that, that might have evened some things out. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Tatum was matching. He actually scored more than Giannis. He ended up with 46. But he was matching Giannis, you know, blow for blow. And that's really what won this game for the Celtics. Uh, when it looked like the Bucks were going to blow this thing out or take the lead, um, Tatum... Uh, just took all the momentum and was hitting big-time three-pointers. You know, and sometimes that happens. Tatum is a very, very talented player. He can get hot like that, obviously. Um, he's had multiple 50-point games, 40-point games, you know, in the playoffs and the regular season. And, uh, you know, when we get into the defensive philosophy discussion, I think that'll be something that we'll have to bring up is how we guarded uh, Tatum in some situations. Uh, Smart and Brown, uh, Smart added 21 and Brown added 22. So they had pretty even scoring uh, over there for the Celtics where the Bucks were not as even, and that hurt that hurt us at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, Giannis got off to a really hot start. Uh, the Bucks made a 16-2 run at one point in the beginning of this game. Um, Giannis was forcing the issue early. He had 17 points in the first quarter, yep. and he really didn't slow down at all. Um, and, you know, you really couldn't have asked – anything more from Giannis in this game um he had 21 8 and 3 at half basically exactly half of what he finished with Uh, and you know it's unfortunate that it you know the Bucks couldn't finish this one out or finish game seven out but um you know too many turnovers not finishing possessions um just digging the hole by you know not doing the fundamentals um not being able to string stops together. That has been a theme in some of the other games the Bucks lost. Is you know, you can get a stop here or there, but you're not scoring hundred percent of the time every time you get a stop. So the Bucks had trouble stringing stops together consecutively and going on runs. Um and you know the the poor shooting behind the three point line is part of that. Um I was a couple things with turnovers. Um Giannis had two late in the first half um five and a half seconds on the on the clock before halftime yeah. didn't even get a shot off um yeah. and i felt like the bucks were lucky to be down by five at halftime mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and then it just more turnovers more turnovers um i did feel bad for grayson allen he had some good looks he had like three shots that went halfway down and popped out um so i felt yeah. bad for grayson allen on that you know his his shooting it, it kind of went away on him. Um, as, as far as the grand scheme is concerned, um, I don't feel the need to to bring somebody in to replace Grayson. Um, you know, I, I'm not worried about it in a small sample size of one series when you can look at the Bulls series and be like, damn, look what he did. And then, you know, it let out in the, the Celtics series. But, um, you know, and the thing with that too is, he might look a little bit better with more spacing from Middleton. So that's mm-hmm. that's something to take into consideration is the defense is going to guard us completely different if we have Chris Middleton, you know. So, yeah. you know, that's something to take into consideration for all the Bucks fans, really. Yeah, and then so many one-and-done possessions. Yeah. So many one-and-done possessions. The Bucks, the Bucks killed offensive rebounds in Game 5, and Brooke Lopez was a big part of that. Um, yeah. And then game six, game seven, 
I mean, at times, Game 7 was better, but um, Pat Connaughton was doing everything he could to keep the Bucks in Game 6 through the first six games. Pat Connaughton was 27 of 46 and 14 for 28 on threes. Oh, boy. And it seemed like he ran out of gas in Game 7, too. That's that's really unfortunate the way that it really happened for the Bucks that, you know, Game 7 wasn't more of a competitive game, but it was still more competitive than the Game 7 that happened in the Western Conference. So, I mean, True. we got that going for us. So, if you want to talk about Game 7, and then let's get some some stuff done. Yeah, uh, Game 7, you know, Giannis came out, and he was setting the pace. Um, he was on triple-double watch after one quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended the game with 25 points, 20 rebounds, back-to-back 20 rebound games, which is insanity. Uh, nine assists, uh, 10 to 26, and one of four behind the three-point line. Um, I wrote down the stats for all the, the starting five, and I added up all the totals. Um, Drew Holiday, 21, 5, and 8, 9 of 21, 0 of 6 from 3. Brooke Lopez, 15 and 10. Brooke Lopez played very well, I thought, in, in game seven. Uh, he was 6 of 12, 1 of 6 from 3. Uh, Wes Matthews, three points, two rebounds, one of five, 0 of three. And Grayson with 1.0 rebounds and three assists. He was 0 of six and 0 of four. Uh, all in total, the starting lineup shot 26 of 70. Not good. And two of 23 from three. That's not going to get it done on the road, in the playoffs, in a game seven, in a must-win situation. You know, and it's not like they were just out there just jacking up shots. Uh, for a little bit, we looked like we lost our rhythm like we did a couple other times in this series. But, you know, in the totality of things, a lot of, th- a lot of things that you could have changed and a lot of things that kind of went the right way for the Celtics. It just kind of feels like they're here a little bit to me. But, you know, can't be too upset. Don't want to take this, this stuff too hard. Uh, don't want to, mm-hmm. you know... You know, and I wanted to talk about the shooting after Game Six, but you know, maybe we'll hold off on that. But you can't be you can't be letting stuff like this. Yes, it bothers bothers us too, but you can't be letting it you know run your life like this. You know, because then innocent people get hurt. You know, and there's that there's that joke that goes around, and I don't even know if I want to joke about it anymore. But about after Packer games, how you know the wives always get beat after the Packers lose. It's like how are you gonna you know beat up your wife had nothing to do with the mm-hmm. Packers losing, dude. So. You know, it is what it is. The Celtics played a hell of a series. It was a great series for us being down our second best player. We stretched it out to a game seven, man. So, you know, the Celtics won. I'm cheering for the Heat now, you know, because I don't want the Celtics to win because I don't like Boston teams. But And then after the Heat win, I'm cheering for the Warriors because I want the Warriors to win because I like Curry. But we'll see what happens. I like Jimmy Butler, but he went to Marquette. so Yeah, um, I, I like Jimmy I'm, too. I'm with that a little bit. I like his attitude a little bit too. He's kind of swaggy. <laughs> He's tough, I'll tell you that. Um, I the the one part of the Heat winning that conflicts me is the people whining that we didn't re-sign PJ Tucker. Because yeah. then if another PJ Tucker team wins a championship, then it's gonna be like, see if we kept PJ Tucker, that would have been us. Even though there's so many other factors outside of one player. Um, we need do- we need Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In an alternate universe, the Bucks are winning repeat championships. <laughs> Um, I want to I want to give Grayson Allen a little bit of credit because the beginning of this game he actually played really good defense on Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Um, he forced one really bad fadeaway that Tatum missed. He forced two turnovers, and Tatum ended up finishing one of three with two turnovers when guarded by Grayson Allen. So I wanted to give Grayson Allen a little a little bit of props for that. 
Um, Giannis scored or assisted on all of the first 17 points in this game. Um, By halftime, he had scored or assisted on 33 of the 43 points that the Bucs scored. So Giannis was the Bucs in game seven. Um, And then the second half was was just flat. Um, Guys were missing open shots, giving up open shots, giving up offensive rebounds. Giannis was missing layups. Um, Guys just, they looked mentally drained on top of being physically drained. Um, And then Grayson Allen finally hits a three-pointer, and they call a stupid-ass offensive foul on George Hill, who was just running through... I mean, it's one of the dumbest calls I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, seriously. if Jeff Van Gundy is like, oh, I don't know about that one, it's probably a bad call. Yeah. Um. And then you know, for a lot of the third quarter, they were trading twos for threes, and yeah. Boston just kept hitting their threes, and then yeah. just snowballed. Took two minutes into the fourth quarter before the Bucks went from down five to down twelve. Yeah. Um. And when they were talking about that during the game, but how, you know, we got the lead down. Mike Breen, he's already ballooned back up to 11. And I'm like, yeah, that's tough. Get! <laughs> Kestin here! Ah! Hold on. He just hit a... I got it right now. Hold on. Let me see this. No way. What a stud. He fucking launched. No that way, one. bro. Oh, he launched that one. Two run blast. Two run blast. Woo. Let's go. Hit the walk off two run shot. What a stud. And I saw. He was the AAA player of the week. I just want to say this. I saw two Brewers fans today, while the game was going on, say, maybe we should send Hero back to the AAA. And now look what happens. You look like a fool. That's why I tell people to watch the whole game. Yeah, stop saying that shit during the game. Stop saying there's a dagger in the sixth inning. Seriously, bro. Golly. Launched it off the scoreboard. What a stud. Awesome. a baby. I mean, game seven was rough. Credit to the Celtics. They played well. They made their threes. They made their open shots. And that's what you yep. got to do. Um, the Bucks didn't. And, you know, Jake's got some some stats to point that out. But um, so the three things that we want to talk about are, first, that there's more to basketball than scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, we want to talk about some of the defensive philosophies in the NBA. And then third, we want to talk a little bit about um, some early thoughts on on potentially retooling the roster and getting ready for another run. So um, let's start with more to basketball than scoring because there is. I'm tired of seeing that George Hill only scored five points in two games or whatever, or that Grayson Allen only scored this many points, or that Wesley Matthews only scored 35 points in the seven games. So there is more to basketball than scoring. So when you hear that, what do you think, Jake? Okay. First things first. When you brought this up that you wanted to talk about this, I was like, the first thing I'm going to bring up is Javon Carter had seven points in game one and had a plus 25. So what does that tell you? He's not just out there scoring a bunch of buckets. 
No, he's out there playing defense. He's rotating. He's making the right passes. You know, he's forcing havoc. I mean, you. This is such a stupid discussion. I can't believe I have to explain to people how basketball works. But we gotta boil it down. Here we go. So you can you could be a defensive stud, right? You could be a guy that can guard multiple positions. Peter <coughs> uh, Tucker. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're ta- we're you're, you you were just talking about how if another PJ Tucker team wins, and what do you think that is? That's mentality. That's being being in the right spot on defense. That's boxing out, grabbing rebounds. That's running the correct lanes on the offensive fast break. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into basketball. That you know, for me and you, we just know this stuff because we played the game, so right. we know the right lanes to run. We yep. know you know when to box out. You know yep. the communication. And that's where, you know, people don't really see the value in Chris Middleton, you know, because, you know, Middleton is like a coach on the floor, and that's that's part of the reason why we missed Middleton, I believe, because he's a guy that can rein Giannis in. You know, Giannis mm-hmm. may take a bad three-pointer or a bad jumper, and nobody else goes up to Giannis and kind of, like, grabs him by the shirt and is like, listen, Middleton yeah. can do that because he, he has that, that respect. Bobby during the playoffs a couple times last year, too. Middleton is our coach on the floor. Middleton's, like, telling him to settle down, like, Middleton yeah. is our coach on the floor. He is that guy. You know, we miss that presence. You know, outside of mm-hmm. his ability to stretch the defense and, and hit big-time shots, he's the guy that kind of holds it all together. He's the glue guy, you know, in my opinion. Eric Names yeah. said it really well. He's the, the Bucks writer for The Athletic. He said it perfectly. He's, like, looking at it where you could have used some extra length on defense, some extra scoring in the fourth quarter. He's like, the yeah. Bucks could have really used a 25-5 and five guy. Yeah. And it's it's just massive. So to the point of more than than scoring, uh, look at Brooke Lopez. If you want to look no further than a player on this Bucks roster, mm-hmm. he always boxes out. And even if he doesn't get bl- multiple blocks in games, which he did a couple times this series, mm-hmm. he always is hands straight up, which what does that allow? That allows a bad shot, even if they make it one out of eight times, right? You're getting missed attempts. Giannis is getting those rebounds, and he's going. Right, mm-hmm. and that sets us up in early fast break opportunities, yep. which a lot of times ends up in scoring. But yep. you have to do all those little things to get those opportunities. Yep. So for me, guys like Wes Matthews, you know, playing good defense. Guys like Grayson Allen, you know, you just pointed out his defense. You know, Brooke Lopez. I mean, Pat Connaughton. Yes, he hits threes, and that's what everybody loves about him. But he also is the first to the floor in a dive ball situation, getting those extra possessions. He's the guy that is talking and keeping everybody up. Look at Thanasis on the end of the bench. The guy mm-hmm. barely plays, but his spirit on the bench keeps everybody else's spirit up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't score a lot of points for us, but his spirit and his energy around the team is something that we desperately need at all times. Look at Bobby you know, when he comes in the game. I don't see that from any other teams. Like I, I have to look closer, but I don't see a guy that's as hyped and puts as much energy into the rest of his team as Thanasis does to the Bucks. Definitely not on a consistent basis. I'll guarantee that. Not on a night-to-night basis. Definitely not. I would say Thanasis is definitely the only one that I know. And I know Pat gets into it once in a while when he's sitting on the bench in long stretches. But, he's usually I mean, in the game. Know, but Guys that have that role, you know, that number one bench mob guy, you know, I don't I don't know that Thanasis is matched anywhere in the league at being that hype man for the rest of your roster. No, definitely not. Hell, hell no. No. So, I mean, that's just one specific specialist that you're looking at. So, 
you can have defensive specialists, you can have floor generals, you can have rebounding specialists, you can have, I mean, there's so many more things that play into this game than scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, look look beyond a box score. Look beyond how many shots a guy made, how many points a guy finished with. How many games did Dennis Rodman have where he had zero points but, like, 20 rebounds? Oh, oh and ask Jordan. That shit's valuable. Ah, uh, yeah. You're keeping the ball away from the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two guys in the playoffs right now that are specialists at what they do beyond scoring. Look at P.J. Tucker is the example that I gave. Look at how he helped the Bucks last year despite making like one three per series. <laughs> like he, he was brought in as a three and D guy, you know, because he hits that corner three because, you know, he just camps out there and people leave him and he's making all those corner threes. He barely made any as a member of the Bucks, but his defense was so valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy that I want to bring up, is Draymond Green. That's the one. How much, how much scoring does Draymond Green do? Not much. Not very much. He that sets up can, all the plays, though. That dude is a guy that can get a triple-double without points. That, hey, that's that's a good call-out right there. That's a great call-out. So there's, you know, there's value in being a guy who is six foot six but can guard one through five. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much more to this game than scoring. And, you know, if there's people out there that want to look into more of the nuances of the game, it's it's fun. It is. It's a beautiful game when you it learn is. that there's more to it than points. Very good. Um, Very good. I mean, you look at a guy like, like Andre Drummond, who is not a threat outside of the restricted circle but can give you 20 and 20. Yes, those 20 points are there, but Andre Drummond has been a good rebounder for so long. But on top of that, would you consider Draymond Green or Andre Drummond uh, a good scorer? No, he's getting all oh. that stuff off of extra rebounds yep. and effort. You know, that's an energy yep. thing. And dump down plays. I mean, him on the Nets, they're not going to put any defensive pressure on him. He's right. getting all that extra stuff off of dump downs. Right. Um. Throw in a guy like like Ricky Rubio and Rajon Rondo, who have never been um, great shooters, but they mm-hmm. are floor generals that know exactly where to put people. I remember, I think it was uh, when Raj, when Rajon Rondo was on. I think it was when he was on the Cavaliers, and mm-hmm. Rondo brings up the floor against the zone defense. He points at Seti Osman, tells him to go to the wing. He puts the ball over here, tells the guy to give him the ball back. Passes the ball over to Seti Osman, who's wide open, and catches a three. Yeah. You gonna tell me there's no value in that because Rajon Rondo didn't score on that play? Yeah. You gonna tell me that a guy who can only score, say, five points in a game, but is capable of giving you ten assists because he knows what he's doing? A guy that can run your offense, a guy that can start your offense. Yeah. I mean, look at. This is kind of a weird example because he does other things. But look at Ben Simmons. Would you call Ben Simmons a scorer? No. I would not. But he's capable of scoring because he does other things. He can get out in transition. He's a good ball handler. He's a very good passer, and he's a good defender. Yeah. That's why he's a high-sought-after a high player in the league. Yep. 
So, I mean, like I said, basketball is a beautiful game. There's so much more to it than just scoring points. There is. There is. There's, there, there really is. Um, you know, being being a defensive specialist is part of it, which is why Wesley Matthews was on the Bucks. Um, I think he contributed more to the Bucks than DeMarcus Cousins would have in any of these situations. Um, I did see a lot of people um, complaining about Serge Ibaka not playing a lot. Uh, he was brought in as insurance for Brooke Lopez, who ended up being healthy throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really need Serge Ibaka. Um, you know, that's kind of just the way that it shook out. But when I asked about discussing defensive philosophies, what is the first thing that came to mind? Well, it was uh, people complaining about Bud's defensive philosophy. Yep. That's the first thing that came to my mind. So there's so many different ways to defend in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And it's different now than it was 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's all different. You have to adjust to how the game is going. Now, everybody shoots. And I'm not saying everybody shoots good, but everybody shoots, okay? So, on that note, I did take a little bit of stats because I wanted to look into this. Uh, Bud's defensive philosophy is to pack the paint and really try to get the ball out of the Stars' hands or make them take tough shots. You know, Tyler brought up a scenario earlier with Grayson Allen making Tatum take a really tough mid-range jumper. That's tough. And that's one of those shots where they might make that every once in a while. And mm-hmm. it happens, okay? That's, you know, that's why I say good defense or good offense yeah, beats good defense yeah. every time. There, there's just some really good players. And Brown, you know, Celtics have two guys that are capable of making those yep. shots. And you know that going into the game. So with, with Bud's philosophy of defending the paint, owning the paint, and giving up the three – it burned us, you know. I didn't, you know. You got to just tip your hat. It is what it is. Yep. Um, in Game Six, the Bucks scored forty-eight points in the paint to the Celtics thirty-four. In Game Seven, we scored forty-eight points in the paint again to the Celtics twenty-six. So we outscored them ninety-six to sixty in the paint. So we owned the paint. You know, no no problem with that. But then when you look at the three pointers, that's you know you're getting an extra point on that. That's where the disparity really starts to show because the others on the Celtics made their shots. It is what mm-hmm. it is, man. Um, in game three, or game six, sorry, I'm looking at a bunch of threes here. Uh, game six, they made 10 more threes. And in game seven, they made 18 more three-pointers. So in total in those two games, they made 28 more threes or 84 points. So that's where this philosophy can burn you. But... Say Grant Williams doesn't turn into freaking Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Horford doesn't turn into Steph Curry for a night. Dirk Nowinski. I should just say Dirk Nowinski since they're both big men. I mean, where are we sitting then? Are people still calling for Bud's head right now? I mean, the guy literally just led us to a title last year. And this team, the core of this team, is still good. Still in their prime. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Middleton, there's not a better big three in the league that you can say right now definitively that's a better big three than that. Right. It's it's defi- definitely an argument. You can make an argument. Right. I'll, I'll listen to an argument. I'll listen to a debate. But there's mm-hmm. not definitely one that's better. You know, the thing about this is it is what it is. It happened. They shot 55 threes. They shot 55 threes. Think about telling somebody that in the 90s. Think about that. Telling the 90s Bulls that the other team's going to shoot 55 like, threes. In a week? Yeah, right? In a week? No, in <laughs> one game. There was 88 three-point attempts in game seven alone. The Bucks shot 33 of them. But they made their shots. It is what it is. You know, personally, the, thi- the one thing I will say about Bud that needs to change 
is he needs to make in-game adjustments a little yeah. bit better. Yep. And that's the one thing that me and you are definitely on the same wavelength yep. with. Yep. You know, if you see a guy hitting, you're going to have to run him off the three-point line. Right. That's just how it is. Okay, that's just how the world works. I don't make the rules. I follow them. And when a guy makes six threes, I'm not going to let him make a seventh because that's embarrassing. Right. Okay? It is what it is, but we we – I'm gonna to listen to what Tyler says, and then we'll talk a little bit more about different philosophies that could have that could have happened. But what do you got, buddy? So, in in response with the Budenholzer defense, the you know the thought process behind that is is that you are allowing the team to shoot the lowest percentage shot that they shoot. Yep. Now, when Boston comes and makes all these threes, and it's higher than the percentage that they shot, you know, over the course of their entire season. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a small part of the the random sample sizes, where yeah. if you shoot thirty five percent on threes for the season, you're gonna have some games where you shoot fifty five percent, and you're gonna have some games where you shoot fifteen percent. Yeah. But this situation isn't one where you you look at Budenholzer with the scapegoat mindset and say he's the reason we lost this series, or look at Grayson Allen who missed a lot of threes and say he's the reason we lost this series. Or look at the fact that George Hill didn't score a ton of points even though he gave other contributions and say he's the reason they lost this series without realizing that everybody plays their part. Mm-hmm. And in a situation where everybody plays their part and Boston does something in a game or a two-game stretch that they didn't do that well over the course of the entire season, instead of looking at your own team and trying to assign blame, why don't you look at the other team and assign some credit they made shots. Boston is not a bad team. It's not like we got blown out by the Pistons. It's the it's the Boston Celtics who are now in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, that team's not here by accident. They didn't win that game by accident. Yes, it's the philosophy that Budenholzer has to allow teams to shoot open threes because that's the lowest percentage shot they shoot. If they make those threes... Give them credit for doing what they need to do to beat the defensive system that Milwaukee has set up. Mm-hmm. A defensive system that won them a championship less than a year ago. Yeah. So the the scapegoat mindset of blame this person, this person, and this person, and we need to fire him, trade him, and cut him. That's that's a it's this is gonna sound harsh, but it's a loser mindset. Yeah. Because you're trying to find out reasons why your team lost instead of giving credit to the team that did what they needed to do to win. I talked to Dan. I told him yes, calls dicks, not fellas. <laughs> a boy, Dan. Thanks for listening. Um, so as far as defensive philosophies are concerned, you know, it's this is I'm gonna use this as a theme where things can be simple, but it doesn't mean that they're easy. Mm-hmm. It's simple to say the Bucks lost because Celtics made a bunch of threes, so Budenholzer should defend the three, or guys should be running guys off the three-point line. Yeah, you can say that, and it's easy to say, oh, just defend the three better, or oh, just make more threes. It's simple to say that, but it's not easy to do. It's not easy to put into practice. It's not easy to say, hey, make those guys make less threes. Because, you know, say Pat Connaughton, for example, who's a really athletic guy who can run at a three-point shooter, and maybe get fingertips on a ball. He did that at times. He's done it before. But what that does is it takes one time 
of you getting fingertips on a three-point shot before the next time, that guy pump fakes and he drives to the lane and you're essentially playing five on four. Yep. Or you got a guy who's swinging the ball around and the ball swings around to the next guy, to the next guy, and you have so many pieces moving around that somebody ends up wide open for a dunk. Or you allow yourself open for that dribble drive and then you get to a point where, say you run Jalen Brown off the three-point line. He pump fakes, he takes two dribbles to the elbow, and he's either shooting a wide-open shot from the elbow or Brooke Lopez is stepping up and he's dumping the ball down to Al Horford who dunks the ball. Yep. It's so much easier said than done to say defend the three-point line. Yes, it's it's easy to say, but it doesn't make it easy to do. There's always trade-offs to no matter what defensive system or what defensive philosophy you run in basketball. <laughs> um <laughs> I told him before game 7 I had a feeling. I was like, it feels like a Giannis game. <laughs> it did. I mean, look at the first quarter, it definitely felt like a Giannis game, but um so a couple things yeah, that I, I was I feeling good, man, after the quarter about to talk so yeah. much shit. <laughs> um so the the philosophy that Budenholzer runs actually stems from a Tom Thibodeau defensive philosophy. Tom Thibodeau came up with defending the three-point line and packing the paint. Some of the Bulls teams that he ran were really, really good defensive teams. Mm-hmm. But what comes along with that is you need to have the right personnel, which is what you need to have with a lot of different defensive philosophies. So, um, you know, when you run this philosophy, a lot of what you want to do as far as pick and rolls are concerned is you want to be able to force guys to to dribble and to pull back away from the basket and have more time come off the shot clock. What, what having the right personnel does is it allows you to switch things. Yep. That's arguably the best defense that you can have in the NBA is being able to switch, to switch, to switch, to switch, and not have super egregious mismatches all over the place, like getting Jay, uh, getting Jason Tatum being guarded by Brooke Lopez. That's the Warriors tough. are very fortunate to have a guy like Draymond Green who is smaller, faster, and can guard one through five. That works for them, so they can switch everything. The Same Bucks the have heat. some guys like that. The Heat too. Um, Bam Adebayo is is very good with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you know if Brooke Lopez is a little bit younger, you might be a little, you know, might be a little less susceptible to that. But um, I think that's ultimately why Bobby Portis ended up being the the main big man down the stretch in some of these games. It's because he's more agile, even though he's not necessarily the best defensive anchor, defensive mind, um, as far as the center position is concerned. But um, there's trade-offs to everything you do, whether it's doubling the ball handler on a pick and roll, or playing a zone defense, or playing straight up one-on-one defense. Because then, what do you do when a guy gets going like crazy? A guy like Jason Tatum who can score and score and score and score and score and score and score. You stick to your one-on-one defensive philosophy because that's what it is, or do you send a second defender at him to make him give up the ball? And that's what the Bucks did. They forced the ball out of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's hands, and they said, hey, Grant Williams, we dare you to beat us. And he did. He ended up being the the Game 7 leading scorer. And that's the point where I'm saying you give credit to guys doing what they needed to do to win. Yep. And the thing about Grant Williams getting those opportunities, it all stemmed from Horford. You know, hitting those shots earlier in the series. You know, game three, game four, he was on fire. He won them the game, game four. So, you know, Horford being will hit shots 
it trickled down to Grant Williams being able to hit shots. I mean, you look at Grant Williams' stats in games five and six, he was terrible. Yeah, he was non-existent, bro. But, you know, game seven, you say, hey, do what you think, you know, do what you think you're capable of because we've seen you do nothing, you know? It's, I mean, it comes down to basically performance. But it is what it is. Um, Execution, man. Yeah. Like I said, things can be simple, but it doesn't mean that they're easy. Why would you say Suns Nation? You guys got absolutely fucking (laughs) (laughs) deep-throated. I don't even know how to process that. To do it, you guys lost worse than us. Yeah, you guys. What did you guys lose by? Like forty? Yeah. <laughs> on your home court. On your home court. That was a weird flex. You got bro. bent over <laughs> on your home court. It was like yikes. Like sixty-four game win season and coach of the year and saying that Booker and Chris Paul should be MVP candidates and. Uh, yeah, you know what? You know what I'm really excited for now that we're talking about the Suns? I'm really excited to see if Booker's about that life if Chris Paul leaves. That's all I'm going to say. He didn't start making the playoffs till CP got there. Mm. And CP's, you know, we were just talking about specialists. Oh, God, CP no. gets everybody set up, bro. Everybody set up. I hate I hate to say this, but I think it could be – oh, God, I hate this. I hate the thought of this because it would be really good for them. I could see a scenario where I've seen DeAndre Ayton linked to Portland. Uh-oh. I can see a scenario where DeAndre Ayton goes to Portland and Carl Anthony Towns ends up in Phoenix with Booker. What? Does he want uh-huh. out of Minnesota? Would you want in to Minnesota? <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess Phoenix. they have Anthony Edwards and some, you know, some... Some young guys like Jared Vanderbilt and, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell, who I've heard they may consider trading. But Yeah, they're, um, they're just going to blow everything up over there, apparently. Hey, we made the playoffs for the first time ever, and we're kind of competitive, but yeah, right? screw this. <laughs> I mean, I, it's also possible Carl Anthony Towns gets a Supermax deal, stays around in Minnesota for most of his career, and does the KG thing, goes and get a ring somewhere. But Cat and I, Booker together would be nice, bro. I know. They have Katie that was... connection. Oh man. Okay, take Kevin Durant. He's about nine thousand years old now. <laughs> he's yeah, he's what pushing thirty three, I think. Oh, he's gotta be older than that, isn't he? Oh no, maybe not. You're probably right. How old's KD? How old is KD? Let me see. He's th- he'll be thirty four next year. Mm. You were right oh, on the oh. dot though. You were yeah. right on the dot. 9,000 years old, yeah. Um, In basketball years, bro, he's been playing forever. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still tall and can shoot, so, like, as he gets older, he's just going to get slower. You don't you don't forget how to shoot as you get older. True, and that spacing with Booker. Man, imagine if they got Booker and Cat with KD. That'd be nasty. That'd be, ooh, that would be nasty. nasty. It'd be a nasty trio. They could oof. All right, so now we've <laughs> talked about <laughs> we've talked about um, you know more to the game than scoring. Some of the trade-offs of defensive philosophies. The last thing we want to talk about with basketball uh, before we say goodbye to basketball for a while is yeah. some really early thoughts on what the Bucks can do to retool the roster. Um, this is you know once it comes down to um, you know the playoffs are over, 
and you know we're looking into some of the offseason stuff like the bucks have done some of their exit interviews but um weston matthews is a free agent bobby portis has a player option that it seems like he wants to stay but he's going to leave it to his agent to to determine if it's you know a good value for him um Brooke Lopez is in the last year of his contract. Pat Connaughton is in the last year of his contract. Um, Grayson Allen has a two-year extension, so he's here for another two years. Um, I could see a, an avenue where George Hill is released um, or just straight-up traded to anybody looking for an expiring contract. But Jake and I have a handful of guys that we thought about bringing in um, that would fit on this roster. So I don't know if you just want to go back and forth or if you want to give all yours and I'll give all of mine. Uh, let's, we can go, we can go back and forth for a while and then we'll see, we'll see what happens. Some of mine are pretty unrealistic, but mm. you know, I was just thinking about uh, fit, you know, and, and need, I was trying to put, do hand in hand. Um, I know the money's going to be tight, but in, right. in the NBA, you can go over and pay the luxury tax anyways. So, right. yeah, Josh, we're not even going to touch that. Me and Tyler discussed it today. Yeah, not, there's there's no there's no scenario where it makes sense to trade for a 31 year old point guard when we already have yeah. a 31 year old point guard that plays defense. You know, it, yeah, it'd be cool to have Damian yep. Lillard on the Bucks, but that's pretty much all it would be is that it would be cool. Um, yeah, people people <laughs> saying trade Middleton for Lillard like Middleton has better shooting numbers over his career. Than and he's bigger, and he's bigger, <laughs> and he's younger. Yeah. So I, unless Shit, they he might would, be cheaper too, <laughs> it probably is. Like Damian Lillard is probably going to want around forty million. Like I don't, I just don't see any scenario where it it's makes sense be, to trade for a thirty-one-year-old Damian Lillard. I agree. Um, on that note, I have a couple point guards. You want to start on point guards? Sure, let's do that. Okay, so my first one, and this one's not going to happen, but it would be. Absolutely amazing. You already actually brought him up without knowing about this, but I, I talked about uh, Ricky Rubio. Mm. Um, I think Rubio is the backup point guard. Um, obviously, a guy that started a ton of games in his career, he could be able to come in, get people in the right spot, you know, make some nice passes, and he would really be a great floor general for the Bucks. That's honestly that's the reason that George Hill played over Javon Carter. Yeah, is that he's the floor general. He's running your offense. You know, he's the better ball handler, the better passer. That's why George Hill was out there over Javon Carter. Mm -hmm. Um, But looking at point guards, one guy that I put back in my mind, um, I don't think it would be a bad idea to consider bringing Javon Carter back. Um, Luca Vildoza did sign a three-year deal, so he's going to be around. Um, Rajon Tucker has been on the herd doing Mm -hmm. well for a while. The Bucs put him on um, an NBA deal. One guy that I put out there was Dennis Schroeder. So yep. he's he's been linked to the Bucks a handful of times because he's got the familiarity with Budenholzer. Um, mm-hmm. It's really just at this point of his career, if he's still going to try to find a starting job somewhere, which it's probably going to have to be with a not great team yep. um, because any team that's in contention is going to be wanting him to take a pay cut on a shorter deal. So if he's yep. going to want to try to get starter money, he's going to have to do it on a bad team. So he's going to have to ultimately decide if he wants to be on a good team for less money in a backup role, or if he wants to be a starter on a bad team and make more money. So that's really going to be up to him. But, you know, yep. Dennis Schroeder is a guy that I, I had in my mind. I also have Bring Carter back as, with a question mark next to it because mm-hmm. he is so cheap. You know, we don't have bird rights on him. Mm-hmm. But 
he's a guy that we could probably bring back pretty cheap, you know, and keep him around. He already knows a bunch of the guys, so it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a bad thing. Um, I also have Dennis Schroeder written down for a lot of the same reasons. You know, he's quick. He can get to the basket. Um, he's a guy that, you know, is a sometime shooter, which is okay. He could be a sometime shooter with a fully healthy roster on the Bucks. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a striper. Um, but Schroeder would be a really nice fit, in my opinion. Uh, the last guy that I have, um, and I just put this down there, kind of, you know, just throw it out there, maybe the discussion point. Do we try Aaron Holiday? Do we let Drew Holiday have the same respect as as Giannis and just mm-hmm. have the Holiday Holiday uh, backcourt and see what happens? I mean, they did it with the Lopez's too. They yeah. brought in Robin Lopez. Like, obviously, Robin Lopez is still good enough to be on rosters other places. Right. Um, and I do think that Thanasis ultimately could be as well. Um, you know, I don't see it outside the realm of possibility that Thanasis could make the Pistons roster or the Oklahoma City Thunder roster or the right. Houston Rockets roster. Like, I don't see that as as a far stretch of the imagination. Um, right. You know, Robin Lopez is a guy who's been on other rosters. Aaron Holiday is a guy who's been on other rosters. So, I mean, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. Um, Only two point six think, million, dude. I think he's tall too, isn't? Isn't Aaron yep. Holiday like six five? He's a you know he's a big tall guy, just like his just like his brother. I mean, Drew is a little bit more thicker. He's thicker, right. a little bit more put together. The yep. other two are a little bit more long, lanky yeah. athletes. But yep. you know, Aaron Holiday. I, I mean, I just threw it out there for discussion. But you know, as we're talking about, it, it seems like a good idea. Yeah, and this is these are just really early, early, early names yeah. that we're throwing out there. Um, Jake and I haven't put a yeah, ton of yeah. research into this. This isn't like top five free agents we want for the Bucks. This is just early yeah. thoughts on some retooling the Bucks can do. Mm-hmm. Um, moving to shooting guard, I have a couple that I tossed out there. Um, first one is kind of, I guess he's kind of a, a combo guard, but I put out Malik Monk. Um, kind of spent the year buried on the, the Lakers roster and then kind of came on towards the end of the year. Um, you know, the Lakers dealt with a lot of injuries this year and a lot of uncertainty on their roster. But, um, you know, if he's willing to take another short deal to come play on a contender and say, hey, come play with Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. So uh, Malik Monk is a name that I put on my list as a potential thought. I actually didn't do shooting guards, so you can have the floor oh, all right. shooting guards. I also put Patty Mills on the list. He signed a one-year deal with the Nets last year, so I put Patty Mills on here just because he he's shoot. a good three-point shooter, you know. You, can, mm-hmm. you really can't have too many shooters around Giannis. Nope. And with as much small ball as teams are playing, you know, it's. I think we might end up seeing it, even though Giannis doesn't love doing it because it's a lot of um, physicality on the body. But I think the Bucks are the best when Giannis is playing center because he's that guy that can switch onto a point guard and guard one through five. Yeah. Um. As far as shooting guards are concerned, the only other name that I had written down was Gary Harris. Um, he was a guy that was potentially going to be a buyout candidate. Um, I have no idea what the market for Gary Harris is going to be like because he's been buried on Orlando's roster for so long. He's just been injured, man. He has the talent. So um, I put Gary Harris on there. But if you want to move move over to some forwards, I have some some interesting names here. I also have some forwards. All right. Hit me with a couple. All right. Well, the first one is the guy that made us dogs, and that's P.J. Tucker. Uh, Maybe if they knocked us, we can try to right the wrong, you know, that we made with P.J. Tucker. Um, His player option is for $7 So if the Bucs can somehow get get him to 
seven million and see if he wants to make a run with Milwaukee again, I could see that a reunion happening. But I don't think he's leaving Miami. So I actually have a guy that's on Miami as well. Um, I don't think he's going to leave either, but I have Caleb Martin. Um, he's he kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, <clears throat> oof, that's a long um, I'm going to finish talking about Caleb Martin, and then I will read that comment, Michael. Um, Caleb Martin, he's a decent defender. Um, he's 36.3% career three-point shooter. And in 2021-2022 season, he shot 41.3% on threes with the Miami Heat. Um, so I threw Caleb Martin out there as a guy who would be inexpensive, inexpensive, but also a potential option. Okay, my next two are kind of eh, because they, they, they do get a little expensive. Um, the first one that I wrote down was Joe Ingles. Um, uh-huh. The guy can just straight up shoot. He's tough. He plays defense. He's been in winning culture before. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, is really, really interesting to me. Um, like I said, he can shoot. So he can stretch the floor and he plays defense. So and that, and that's, that's what you're looking for when you're trying to fine-tune a team is you're trying to find guys that are specialists. Like, oh, okay, let's, let's go here. This guy can shoot. This guy can shoot. This guy can shoot. He plays D, plays D, plays D. You trust him in the fourth quarter. So Joe Ingles is a guy that I thought of. I have a defensive specialist for you. Uh, Kyle Anderson. Oh, slow-mo, baby. That dude is a defensive specialist. I have I have defense and three check marks written written next to Kyle Anderson. Oh, um, he's he's a guy that could be kind of like that poor man's PJ Tucker. He's not as well known, but he's mm-hmm. got a little bit of size on him, and he's a mm-hmm. good defender. You could throw him at just about anybody. So I like the thought of having that guy, even though he's not necessarily a super big offensive contributor. All right, so my last guy that I have for forwards is a guy that has been improving his shot, but he's not known as a defensive guy. He's kind of an all-around guy. He does a little bit of everything. Um, I have Thaddeus Young. Mm. Um, He's a guy that can play multiple positions. You can put him at both forward spots, and you can go little tiny spurts with him at the center position. Um, He's athletic. He can get to the rim. Um, He could be a decent passer. I just think that Thaddeus Young fit on this team great. I do some stuff with him, Bobby, and Giannis all together, make a weird mix, and see if it works. He's he's another guy that I would put in like that Gary Harris conversation where it's like you're not really sure what the value is going to be there. Like he was mm-hmm. a name thrown around in potential buyout conversations, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he didn't get bought out. I mean, it, he's the kind of guy that's just going to float around out there. I'm not sure what the market's going to be on a guy like that. Yeah. Um, I had two other names as far as forwards are concerned. Um, one is Nicholas Batum. Um, he's he's getting up there a little bit in age, but he's still a, a good 3 and D guy. Um, yep. And then this one is contingent on Bobby Portis leaving for somewhere else, and that would be Montrezl Harrell. Mm. Um, he's, he's a gritty, tough guy. Um, mm-hmm. Similar to like the Morris brothers. Um, one of them's on the Clippers. The other one is in Miami. Um, mm-hmm. those two, those are gritty, tough guys that'll mix it up. Um, they'll throw their bodies around, but they are strong, tough guys. That's what Montrez Harrell is. Um, so if, if Bobby Portis leaves and we're looking to replace that effort level, uh, Montrez Harrell is a guy I have on my radar. Yeah. He would be a great replacement, honestly. Um, are we doing centers now? Yes. Cause the, I have one other forward on here, but it's also contingent on something else that I want to bring up after. 
Okay, so I'm going to do two of my centers together because they're on the same team, and I'm not sure what the team's going to do with either of them. They're both on their magic. Oh. Um, I have Mo Bamba oh. and Bull Bull. These are both guys that are still raw. Um, they're still cheap. Uh, both of them are restricted free agents. I have no idea why the Magic traded for Bull Bull. If they already have Mo Bamba, they're basically the same player. But those are two guys that are interesting because they can shoot, they can block shots, um, and they're really, really long. They're super long. Yep. Mo Bamba is super long. Bull Bull is super yeah. long. I don't know who's longer, honestly. But, you know, those are two guys that would be interesting, I think, on the Bucks. Um, Bull Bull, he was on the Nuggets, so he's been in a winning situation, winning culture. But Mo Bamba has never really been in that situation, so I'm interested if Mo Bamba, if we could find a way to get him and we put him in a winning culture and winning situations every day and he, you know, we, we, we shape that mind, I'm wondering if we could tap into that potential a little bit. So uh, that's why I'm really interested in Mo Bamba. I have Mo Bamba on my list as well, mm -hmm. but I'm going to tease and I'm going to make you wait to tell you why. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to bring up two other names first. Okay. One of them is Mitchell Robinson, who's a guy at the center position that I've really liked for a while. Um, yep. He flies under the radar as far as centers are concerned, just because it's not a center-driven league anymore. It's a, all about positionless basketball, but as far as centers are concerned, uh, Mitchell Robinson, I really think he's got a lot to bring to the table as far as being around the rim is concerned. Um, he's a really good rebounder, and he can finish at the rim. Um, he could play with some defense, so I really like Mitchell Robinson. Um, I told you that I had some outside-the-box ideas that would be really inexpensive, and here's my guy. I okay. I floated this out there as a potential idea before the trade deadline last year when Brooke Lopez was still injured. Gorgie Jang from the Atlanta Hawks. He's a free agent this offseason. He spent a lot of time in Minnesota. Okay. Um, he's long. Plays good defense. And the last two seasons, he shot 42% on threes. Just saying. So my mind, what I'm looking at to keep the Bucks title window open for the length of Giannis's prime and, and the length of Drew and Chris's careers is getting younger at that center position, which is where I bring him the thought of Mo Bamba. Mm -hmm. What I was thinking with Mo Bamba is a potential sign-and-trade with the Orlando Magic, whereas the Magic sign-and-trade Mo Bamba to the Bucks for Brooke Lopez. Mm. Um, what it does is it gives the Bucks the young center that can still do the 3 and D, and mm -hmm. what you do there is you keep Bobby Portis, you play Mamu a little bit at the center, and you have Mo Bamba, and you keep that rotation, you keep everybody fresh, you keep different styles of play on the floor, and you know you still get that production because Mobamba is actually a decent three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. What Orlando gets out of that deal is an expiring contract on an older guy who can bring some veteran leadership to a team that his brother is already on. Um, they obviously love Orlando because they talk about it all the time, how often the Lopez's are at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. um, and Orlando has, Orlando has the number one pick this year. So yes, mm -hmm. they may be ready to start getting ready. <laughs> they're still, you know, they're still a long way from being in the playoffs. But yeah. they're they're still if they're healthy, you know, the guys that they have, um, you know, they're getting ready to get ready to be in a position like where the Cleveland Cavaliers were this past year. But they're not there yet. So what yep. what a potential sign and trade would do for them is if the Bucks threw in, say, a second round pick or two second round picks with Brooke Lopez. 
is like I said, it gives them that expiring contract that expires at the end of next season. Um, you know, it gives you veteran leadership, championship pedigree, and like I said, that expiring contract for a team that's not going to be ready to contend for anything yet. Agreed. Okay, but I right. said I had one more forward left. Okay, and this also involves trading Brook Lopez, but it would be to the Los Angeles Clippers for one another one of my non-favorite, uh, non-Buck favorite players is Robert Covington. Mm. Their money is almost exactly the same. <clears throat> and with the Clippers potentially getting Kawhi Leonard back, uh, they have Norman Powell, they have Paul George. So that, you know, that that two, three, four area for the Clippers is kind of solved. Where their best, you know, center is Ivy to Zubats, who actually has a player option, mm-hmm. their t- player option or club option, but um, he's their best center right now, and he is not a defender. No. So it actually could make sense for the Clippers to trade for Brooke Lopez to have a defensive center. Um, and then what, what Robert Covington would do would give the Bucks the opportunity to use Giannis at the center and have Robert Covington be able to be the other guy that can swarm around and play that, that defensive all-over-the-place guy. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get Bradley Beal. <clears throat> He's going to want like $42 million. And we would, oh, that would be impossible. We're going to have to give up a shit ton. Um, You're good. You're basically, just, I mean, would I love Bradley Beal in the Bucks? Um, Yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see a scenario where you get Bradley Beal to take $15 million a season when he's going to want two or three times that. Yeah, there's just and we don't have bird rights on him, so we can't we can't just give him, uh, you know, whatever the hell he wants. We we have stipulations that we have to mm-hmm. you know abide by. Right. Um, I got two more centers here. Uh, first all right, of all, I have Mitchell Robinson as well. He only cost one point five million last year for a guy that blocks as many shots and rebounds as well as he does. A little under the radar, he'd be great, you know, as the backup. Um, and then my last one, um. This one I kind of just threw out there as well. I was like, flyer on JaVale McGee? I did have him written down. I crossed him off, but I had him written down as well. Flyer on McGee? Why not? He, he fucking runs the floor. You know, he plays with energy. He blocks shots. I mean, I'm not saying that I want that. I mean, he costs $5 million and Bamba costs $6 million. So if, if you're going to, you know, be a number cruncher, which the Bucks have to be in this situation, I'm taking a flyer on Bamba because he can shoot, and I know that. And he's younger. Yeah, so I mean, in Bull Bull, two point one million. So Bull Bull is really, really cheap. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, one point five. Like I said, so I mean, if you're really crunching numbers and you're looking at this stuff, Mitchell Robinson would be in the lead for me. You know, even age considering, you know, a guy that can come in and just play defense, and we don't miss a beat. You know, when Brook Lopez has to go out, mm-hmm. you still got defense inside. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. <sighs> Yeah. We will get deeper into this. Uh, we yes, I will give actual. We will really look into this as we get closer to the Bucks. Yeah. Right now, it's just it's a little tough. Yep. It's a little yeah. tough this right was, now. Still stings yeah. a little bit. Yep. We just wanted to throw some thoughts out there on some stuff, mm-hmm. kind of soften the blow a little bit because, like you know, we posted it on on our, our social medias that you know it sucks that the Bucks are out. You know, nobody's as disappointed as we are. Because we, yeah. you know, we enjoyed our first, um, 
you know, our first championship doing this show was mm-hmm. the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a bummer that it didn't happen again, but it's not going to happen every time. Obviously we know that, um, you know, to go from our, our second year of covering the Bucks on our show to winning a championship in the second season of us talking about the Bucks every Wednesday. Um, it was fun. And we obviously wanted it to happen again, but you know, a lot of the guys said in their exit interviews, I watched um, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, and Pat Connaughton's exit interviews this morning. And they just kept saying a lot of the same things where it's like, you know, it just didn't, it just wasn't our year. You know, it felt like the Celtics year. And that's kind of just how a lot of the guys felt. Um, but Giannis is only 27. So that window is open for a while. Yep. And the Bucks will retool this roster. John Horace is a pretty good GM. He flipped. <laughs> John Horace flipped Sam Merrill and two second-round picks into Grayson Allen. He got two second-round picks back in the deal for Serge Ibaka. So who knows what he does with those two second-round picks. Whether he picks them, trades them. He's got a couple second-round picks sitting on the roster yet in Jordan Wara and Mamu. Um, I think they really like Mamu. Um, I think they like the versatility that he brings, so I think he's probably sticking around. I don't know that I'd say it's a guarantee that Jordan Wara is on the roster next year. Um, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, put Jordan Wara in in the playoffs. He can't do worse than the guys that are out there, and it's like, eh, yeah, he probably could. Really? Jordan he Wara, could. He's, he's unfortunately been turnover prone, which I wanted to see from year one to year two was to see Jordan Wara make that jump to being more efficient. And yep. actually a lot of his shooting numbers went down from his rookie year to his second year. Um, so I haven't, you know, it's it's cool to see him score points once in a while, but it usually takes a lot of volume. I just don't see it as a guarantee that Jordan War is on the roster next year. You know, outside of the big three and probably Bobby and Pat, I would say it's pretty much open field for anybody. I would say Horse is going to do the best job that he can. Mm-hmm. I do like our roster. I like the foundation that we built. Mm-hmm. I just think that we're maybe a player or two away. You add Chris Middleton. You add a, a point guard that can be a playmaker and add another shot blocker on this roster. <clears throat> yep. And we're going to be right back in the Eastern Conference Finals next year. But we'll see what happens, man. We'll, we will see what happens. Yeah, and next year's Miami Heat is not going to be the same team. Nope. Um, Ol- I mean, Oladipo I- is probably going to be gone off that team. P.J. Tucker might be back, but... That team's going to look a lot different than it does this year. I heard that uh, Donovan Mitchell, if he gets traded, he said he wants to go to the Hawks or the Heat. That could really shake some shit up. Him with Young would be actually kind of disgusting, I'm not going to lie. Why? They're both ball-dominant players. That'd be like putting James Harden and Chris or, uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the same team. Yeah, but he plays with Clarkson, who can be <clears throat> ball-dominant at times, too. He plays with Conley too, who's like a pure point guard. I didn't I never understood putting Conley and Donovan Mitchell on the same team, honestly. Like it worked at times, yeah. but it's I don't know. Donovan Mitchell feels more like a point guard than a shooting guard to me. Yeah. So that's I don't know. We'll see. If he got if he got sent to Miami for Kyle Lowry and something else, like that would be that would be interesting. Putting Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo on the same team. That would be interesting. All right, man. Like I said, we're going to be saying bye to basketball for a while, but is there anything else you want to say before we move on to the Brewers? Bucks and six, baby. It is what it is. They'll be back. Yep. Giannis said it. We're saying it. The Bucks will be back.
All right, let's switch over to baseball because we we have happier baseball this week than we did last week, yeah. uh, especially with Keston Hira hitting that walk-off today, which is freaking awesome. Hell um, yeah, baby. But let's start with the um, Marlins series. So let's go to game one of that Marlins series. Yeah, started out. Corbin Burns looked like Cyburns. Uh, yeah. Seven innings pitch, five hits, only one earned run, no walks. I love to see the no walks. Yes. Walks is like the main stat I look at every time I, I look at the stats and I'm watching the game. Seven um, Ks. Uh, Williams came in, did his job. Two Ks, no walks, no hits. He looked like Devin Williams. And Josh Hader did Josh Hader things. He just shuts the door. That's what he does. Uh, the Brewers ended up winning this one, two to one. Uh, they got two RBIs, uh, one from Wong, one from Peterson. They got a home run from Wong to start this game in the first inning. So, all in all, they went on the road and they got a big time win, which they really, really needed at this point in time. Yeah, this was a pitcher's duel. Like Pablo Lopez came into this game hot. His last outing was against the Padres. He pitched eight scoreless innings in that game. And he came into this game. He gave up the, the leadoff home run mm. to Colton Wong, and that was the only run he gave up. Uh, Pablo Lopez, mm-hmm. Jake already mentioned Corbin Burns' stats. Pablo Lopez pitched seven innings, only gave up three hits, only the one earned run, struck out 11 batters. <laughs> so Pablo Lopez did his thing too. Um, it's a, just a great pitcher's duel. I mean, Corbin Burns was using everything. Like, it feels like Corbin Burns has five pitches he can strike you out with. Because he does. <laughs> um, it's. It, I love that the Brewers are all, like, intermingling and teaching each other all of their best pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Corbin Burns using a curveball a bunch of times. Like, he was spiking curveballs a foot in front of the plate, and dudes were still swinging and missing at it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's – oh, it's awesome. I love watching Corbin Burns pitch. Um slider was absolutely nasty the curveball was working for him and then after the game he's like yeah i wasn't really pleased with my performance it's like if corbin burns is mad on a day where he pitches seven innings gives up one earned run and has seven strikeouts and he's like yeah you know i didn't really execute i didn't have my best stuff um gave up a home run on a one-two count and you could tell that he was mad about that but like he holds himself to such a high standard already after winning a, a Cy Young Award. Like, oh, man, Corbin Burns is going to be so good for a long time. Yeah, and hopefully he's a brewer for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, Jace Peterson, RBI walk, ended up being the difference in this game. Um, yep. Josh Hader still perfect. Devin Williams, the changeup was looking nasty. Um, my one complaint with this game, obviously, people complain about the offense, and they love complaining about the offense because people love to complain. But um, my one complaint with this game was they need to get the strikeouts down. Um, 14 yeah. strikeouts in a game is a lot. That's a um, lot. So that's the thing that I'd like to see is just get the strikeouts down. Um, I'd still like to see a little bit more aggression on the bases just because I think that's an area where the Brewers could potentially try to get some more runs across. Um but it's hard enough to get guys on base, much less to make outs on the bases. So, you know. True. Um, Devin Williams only needed 12 pitches to get through the eighth. Josh Hader only needed seven pitches to get through the ninth. So um, that was that was the, the story for that. So then we're flipping to game two. Um, game two, Trevor Rogers was the starter in this one. He's better than his numbers suggest. Um, he had a 264 ERA last season over 133 innings. So Trevor Rogers. 
you know, it comes in with a high ERA, but he's better than his numbers suggest. So what did you see from game two of the Marlins series? Uh, well, Lauer and Gott did not have their A stuff. He, you know, Burns talked about how he didn't have ace, his good stuff, but Lauer and Gott, you know, they, they got hit around a little bit. Um, Lauer gave up four earned runs, which isn't a ton, but from what we've seen and the potential of Eric Lauer, seems like all this year, zero walks and seven Ks. So he still pitched a very, very good game. He gave you five, he gave you five innings and that's all you really can ask. Um, Gustave came in. He looked good. Milner looked good. I like Milner, by the way. I'm a, he's, I'm a fan of Milner. He's pretty decent. Uh, he like struggled him. a little bit of times last year, but he's got a he's got a little bit of a sidearm delivery that's just enough to throw batters off a little bit. But yeah. I'm with you on that. We we got we got so many guys that can come in, and he's kind of got that Brett Suter feel to him, mm-hmm. um, where like we got so many guys that can come in and just pump that shit up there, and with you know you got Devin Williams with the nasty you know change up and and haters out there, and he, you can't can't see the ball forever, and then all of a sudden it's coming at you at 98, and then Milner comes in, and it's a little different, man. I like it. That's a good change of pace. Yep, the change th- of pace. Yep. I, I think I'm gonna st- I think I'm gonna attach myself to Milner as the guy that I like. Um, kind of like I did with Telez. I wanted to be a little bit different than everybody. Um, but Renfro, I gotta say, um, that was a good trade for us, man. He's oh, he's been yeah, he's been pretty <laughs> yep. <laughs> I wanted to put positivity out there. I wrote down, you know, talk about Renfro because you know you just, you said it before that people love to complain. So I wanted to bring a little bit more positivity. You know, the Renfro trade that was a great trade for us, man. Gave us instant offense, and he made a crazy good catch today. By the way, yep, Ran- the wall into the wall um in defense offense he's you know he tied the game you know he's he's being a run producer for us so you know everything everything aside everything that people want to complain about you know and i know we lost this game nine to three renfro still looked great adamas also had a home run in an rbi um he's one in the 10 day today so that kind of sucks but um you know renfro's look good and it is what it is it is yeah and you know if if adamas didn't go on the on the 10 day today who knows what happens it wouldn't been here yep so, you know, stuff kind of works out. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I will say is I know that there's people out there that will put on Facebook in the sixth inning, you know, there's the dagger, there's the, yeah. you know, there's the nail, the final nail in the coffin. Stop doing that before the games are over. Seriously, dude. Like, when the game's over and it ends up working out, like like game um, game five did for the Bucks, where they were down 14 points and nine minutes left and they came back and won. Or for the Brewers today, when they were down four nothing, and then they end up winning seven to six, mm-hmm. like just pump the brakes. Like I know everybody gets anxious once in a while, but keep it off social media so people can't make fun of you afterwards. Yeah, I mean I don't want to name names, but I, there's definitely a couple people on my friends list that are just like they're so just shoot from the hip, you know. And I used to be that mm-hmm. way too, but now I process shit, you know, and I let yep. shit happen. I let it play out. Let it be you know, over. <laughs> and, it, you know, and I still don't make my immediate reaction after the game. I'll text you. I'll text my dad. I have my texting people that I talk to. But then even after that, I like to digest, let it sit for a little bit, and then I'll make my analysis because that's the way that it should be. You don't mm-hmm. want to shoot from the hip because you can make yourself look like a fool. Well, that's the that's the knee-jerk reaction. So that's one of the yeah. things that we don't do. No. We don't do knee-jerk reactions. You know, we did some early thoughts on the Buck, you know, retooling the Bucks roster, but we didn't say, oh, Grayson Allen sucked, trade him. Or we didn't say, you know, Budenholzer didn't make adjustments in the second half of game seven, fire him. Like, 
that's not where we're going with that. We actually, you know, we're putting a little bit of thought into it, looking at some of the potential mm-hmm. needs and some of the potential exits and um, departures from the team or, you know, where the team could get younger. Similar to just day by day, there is 162 games in the Major League Baseball season. And, and oh, my God, it drove me insane that after two games – in a lockout shortened spring training that people were like, oh, my God, we need to trade Burns so we can get some value for him. It's the same people that wanted to trade Aaron Rodgers last year or people that want to trade Middleton and, and, and Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard. Like, people, you just got to chill out a little bit. Just like I, I want to talk about the Brewers' offense after we get through the rest of these games, but like just – Pump the brakes, just calm down a little bit, let the dust settle. Like it's gonna be okay. Yep. And you know, now now the thing is is oh the Brewers are ten games over five hundred, but all they've done is play shitty teams. Like the Brewers can't control who's on their schedule and when they're there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You you play the team that is on your schedule. You can't control and be like, Yeah, we're gonna put all the good teams early in the season and if we're twenty and ten after the first thirty games of playing all the teams that are really good, you know, then we'll will win the world series but like it doesn't work that way you play who's on your schedule having a good record is having a good record it doesn't really fucking matter strength of schedule in baseball like it does in the nfl <laughs> it doesn't like even matter in the times nfl more games in the major league baseball there's like 10 times more games yeah that's crazy <laughs> for people to be freaking out after one series and saying we need to trade people and fire council already I'm like shit melts my mind um, so I can't imagine what their financials look like. <laughs> long story short, Eesh. calm down, let the dust settle for me. What I like to do is I like to watch the games and then I go back and watch highlights. And then I read about what the writers are saying. Um, I go on Twitter a lot and I read what a lot of the beat writers are saying, guys that are in the, the booths while they're watching the games. Mm-hmm. Like I like to try to collect as much information as I can. In addition to what I saw from the games and put that out there and put a little bit of an optimistic spin on it and toss it out here. Um, baseball is a statistic sport and that's not changing. Yeah. It's not going to change. So, um, like I said, I'm going to talk a little bit about that when we get through the rest of these games. But, um, like Jake said, um, Renfro launched a late home run. Absolutely launched it. The one that Willie Adamas was smoked to. Um, but, you know, the Brewers just came up a little bit short in that one. Um, let's look at the third game of this series. So I want to throw out, I want to throw out a potential question. I don't know if anybody knows the answer to this or if I'd have to look individually, game by game, team by team, to find out if there are any other teams that have a guy that batted leadoff and cleanup. Because that's what Luis Urias did. Um, Luis Urias has batted cleanup in the third game of this Marlins series. Um, Michael said there's only two teams in the NL Central this year. Fortunately, the two teams are first and second, have enough talent to compete with all of the other top Major League Baseball teams. You know, that's the thing. You know, we get that the NL Central is weak, and we're going to spend a lot of time beating up on the Reds, Pirates, and Cubs. But, Mm -hmm. like, the Cardinals are a good team. The Brewers are a good team. You know, it doesn't – it's not a huge deal that the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants are all good in in the NL West. Because it didn't matter last year because the, the Braves came out of the week NL East and won the whole thing. Yeah, sure did. So, you know, you can you can play the 
oh, we're only beating bad teams card all you want, but you're beating teams. Wins count the same no matter who you're playing against or what their record is. Dude, look at the Patriots for 20 years. The, the AFC East was absolute dog shit. And I don't care what <laughs> nobody says. The best team that they played against was the freaking Jets, and they were going 9-7. Yeah. and seven. Don't give me this bull crap about how, oh, it matters who you play. It don't freaking matter, okay? It matters what you do when you get to that time when you have to make a play. Winning is winning. At the, the end of the day, the, the team that makes the play when you need all play wins the freaking game. That's just how it works. Look at the Celtics and the Bucks. The Celtics made shots. The Bucks did not. Point blank, period. That's just how it went. The Celtics yeah. made their shots. They made the play. The Bucks did not. We're sitting at home. The Celtics are down 0-1 in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, the thing is, it didn't matter how many wins the Celtics had against teams above 500 during the NBA regular season. Nobody yeah. gave a shit when it was time to predict who was going to win Game 7. Didn't matter. Didn't matter Not at all. At all. All that mattered was that they absolutely dominated the Nets 4-0, to and they were tied with the defending champs 3-3 with a home game. Yep. That's all that matters. Yep. Yeah. So don't give me that – yeah, don't give me that crap about – you know, you're only beating up on bad teams. You're only beating AAA teams. No, you're beating who's on your schedule, and the wins count the same. Yeah. We still get one win, so I don't give a yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, the, the wins count the same, too, if you win 2-1 to one or 10-0. to zero. It, Exactly. So I don't want to hear nothing about run differential either. I don't give a shit run about no run differential. Run differential stupid stat, honestly. But I've I had mean, that. I understand the I've point for it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the Brewers won how many games – I mean, they won two to one, and then they won seven to three. They got a one-zero win. I mean, come on now. We just won by one run today. Does yep. that win not matter as much as a win that we win by five runs? No, it's still a win. Yep. All right, let's talk about that third game of that series where Luis Urias was batting cleanup. Uh, uh, yeah, Woody was very good, uh, but the guy I really want to talk about was Ashby. Um, he was He was a stud. Uh, he, he had four innings pitched, no hits, no runs, no walks, eight Ks, dude. The guy was on fire. He was a man. Uh, we also, we had the bats going a little bit. Uh, we had three home runs. Telez, my boy, let's go, baby. Uh, Colton Wong, Peterson also had home runs. They both hit, had their third. Telez got his eighth home run that we're at this point here. Uh, Wong, Peterson, and Navarez all had an RBI. Telez and your boy, your boy, I always say your boy, Urias, uh, both had two RBIs. So, I mean, all in all, the Brewers are one of the best teams in the NL at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. If we can get Ashby, we're going to be dangerous. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm reading a lot of things about Ethan Small potentially getting called up soon because he's tearing oh. up. He's tearing up. Triple A, oh. he's lighting it up down there. So the Brewers just being short-handed in the bullpen because J.C. Mayo was suspended for 80 games, um, which honestly I'm not super concerned about because he wasn't very good anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it, it you don't want to see guys getting suspended for taking performance-enhancing drugs, but um, you know the loss isn't super deeply felt there as it is for you know a Jake Cousins who's injured right now. Um, mm-hmm. So Ethan Small could potentially be looking at a bullpen role soon. Um, interesting prospect because oh, let's man, do he, it. He's let's just do it. he is tearing up Triple A, like sub one ERA 
in Triple A. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so, ready. Let's do it. Um, Jake touched on Colton Long a little bit. I think we're going to talk about him a little bit more in another segment. But um, you mentioned it too with with Ashby. The thing with him was that his slider was good. Is that his fastball was under control. The thing that Jake didn't mention with his eight Ks, zero walks. I thought I did. My bad. If you did and I didn't notice, that's my bad. But I'm going to say it again because it's important. It is. It is. I talked about it last week that in three of his previous four appearances, he'd given up at least four walks. This game, four innings pitched, zero walks, zero hits, and the eight strikeouts in those four innings. Um, And then the Brewers as a team, only six strikeouts. Perfect. Only six strikeouts. Putting the ball in play, that's what you want to do as a team instead of striking out. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess the the Cubs are only like a shortstop away from contention, if you ask some of their fans. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And and their offense is good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's flip to the Braves series. Let's start with the first game. Yeah, my boy. Freddie Fastball, Freddie Fred Flow, healing baby. Uh, seven innings, two hits, zero earned runs, 10 Ks to one walk. Yeah. I mean, the Brewers did an awesome job controlling the walks for the most part this week, in my opinion. Yep. And they were just mowing people down. Uh, Williams and Hayter, uh, both three Ks, zero walks each for them. Zero hits, zero earned runs on top of that as well. We got our one run on a wild pitch. And we won the game one to zero. That's all it takes. <laughs> that's all it takes. Exactly. That's that's what I was gonna say. That's what, dominating, that's what dominating pitching can do for you is win you a game one to zero that you scored on a wild pitch. I'm not gonna lie. It hurts a little bit because this is kind of what I thought would happen in the playoffs. Is we were gonna have some really tight close games like a one to zero, two to one games. It's obviously not what happened. Happen, but. The Brewers winning games against them is something that is good for their psyche. So it's a good thing. And Freddie Peralta, man, he's starting to put it together. Uh, stat of the week, if you didn't check our page, stat of the week was about Freddie Peralta. has been absolutely dominating. So mine was about Josh Hader, who was dominant too, and he still is. He's um, the man, dude. <laughs> he's, oh, man, Josh Hader is awesome. I love Josh Hader. Yeah, he is. Um, Freddie Peralta has had some first-inning struggles. Um in this game, he had the bases loaded in the bottom of the first inning. Um, or not – no, that was the Brewers at the bottom of the first inning with bases loaded with two outs. Um, Freddie Peralta in the top of the first inning gave up a single and a walk with two outs. Um, and then Jace Peterson made a diving catch down the third baseline to end that inning. So Freddie Peralta, he's had a little bit of trouble in some first innings. But other than that, he was lights out. Mm-hmm. Like Jake said, the 10 strikeouts, only two hits, one walk. Um, Urias was two for three and a walk. Um, Hunter Renfro had a hit and a walk. Uh, Jace Peterson, um, and Lorenzo Kane each had a hit, and the only run, like Jake said, was scored on the wild pitch. So, um, <laughs> Freddie Peralta had 16 swing and misses in this game. 16 that was the most in, in Major League Baseball on that day. Ooh, that, a boy. that was awesome. Um, oh, I gotta, I gotta save this. I gotta save it. Um, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about the second game of the Braves series from last night. All right. Um, 
Hauser, uh, I don't know what's going on, man, but he just doesn't have it all. I mean, he wasn't horrible, but he had zero earned runs. We lost this game 3-0, to zero, uh, six innings, four hits, no earned runs. He had two walks with the six Ks. Uh, the reason why we lost this game, in my opinion, was the 0 for 5 runners in scoring position and 10 yeah. players left on base. Yep. Uh, that's something that can't happen if you're going to win in the playoffs. You have to find a way to get, get people in. Uh, but Boxberger gave up a massive, massive two-run homer late in this game. But yeah. it happens, man. Boxberger's been everything. I mean, if he has one bad outing out of 10 – I will take that honestly because he really is shut down when he comes in. But, you know, sometimes you get got. And the smart words of Marshawn Lynch, baby. <laughs> um, Trevor Gott was painting corners last night. Oh, man, he looked good. Have been, you um, son of a bitch. <laughs> Boxberger, he, I mean, he was on a 3-2 count with two outs on that pitch, too, that got hit out. So, um, yeah. guys getting down to their last strikes, it's just ex- that's execution 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, with this, it sucks. Renfro barely missed a two-run home run, um, like just half a smidge foul, um, similar to the one that Ozuna hit, but stayed inside the foul pole. Um, Jake mentioned the ten stranded runners, the ten runners left on base. Oh man, this sucks. With two outs, the Brewers had runners in scoring position in the third, fourth, fifth. Seventh and eighth innings. Didn't play any runs. Oh ah. man, that sucks. Ah, man. Oh, that sucks. It's all right. Um, it's all right. It is all right. I mean, we know. You know, we have the benefit of hindsight, knowing that the Brewers ended up winning today. Going into today, the Brewers had been four and eight against left-handed pitching with a .72 ERA against them against left-handed mm. pitching. Um, the Brewers had faced 12 left-handed starters. Uh, the Brewers have scored two runs, was the most that they scored against left-handed pitchers, and they did it twice. Um, starting left-handed yeah. pitching had a 140 ERA against the Brewers coming into today. Jesus. And they scored all their runs late today, too. So um, let's talk about today's game. A little bit that we that we didn't reveal from, you know, having it happen live during the show. But, um, let's talk about today. Uh, you you start. I don't have anything written down. So, so I, gotta... I mean, the thing with today really was Corbin Burns had two pitches that, that screwed him. Um, I mean, he was really doing well. He had two outs. I yeah. gave up a hit by a pitch, a single, and back-to-back home runs. And that's where all four of the runs that he gave up came from today. Um, yeah. Brewers grabbed two in the fourth inning. They grabbed one in the sixth, one in the ninth to tie it. And then it went 1-1, 1-1. And then the Brewers or went one one one, and then two. Keston Hira hit the walk off home run. Actually, it said that um, <laughs> it said that Colton Wong, not Colton Wong, um, Keston Hira said that he um, was basically like on his deathbed last night. He felt like because he was so sick. So people were questioning why he didn't have like a super enthusiastic run around the bases, and it said because he he felt really sick like last night. Um, so he said he felt like he was on his deathbed a little bit. And then today he's hitting a walk-off home run. Um, so that's Keston Hira's flu game right there, hitting a walk-off. Oh, wow. Um, Josh Hader <laughs> wasn't available today because they said he had to leave early to tend to a family situation. Um, so that's why Hobie Milner was pitching in the 10th inning. Um, 
You want to know something interesting? I always like interesting stuff. Ethan Small was scratched from his start in AAA today. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's getting called up. He's getting called up 100%. He's getting Brewers called up. Brewers have 19 games in the next 18 days and no off days. Oh boy. Ethan Small might be on his way to the Brewers. Yep. Oh, it's boy. happening. It's happening for oh. sure. So Colton Wong rips a triple in the bottom of the ninth to tie this game up. Um, like I said, the Brewers went 1 1, 1 2 to get the win. Um, Oh, I'm so excited that Ethan Small might be up to the Brewers. Um, oh, that's exciting. Um, is there anything that you wanted to say about today? I mean, Trevor Gott was back doing his awesome stuff. You know, he had the one bad outing, and yep. now he's had back-to-back really dominant outings. Devin Williams had a good outing today. He's been better since he had the game that he struggled a few weeks. Well, a few weeks ago. It was a little over a week ago. But, um, you know, Devin Williams is looking good. Trevor Gott's looking really good. That, that looks like a – Another David Stern's wizardry pickup. Yeah. Um, I mean, to grab a guy, toss him in, and be like, here you go. And then to have him pitch as well as Trevor Gott has. Um, <laughs> has retired, Trevor Gott has retired 12 of the first 14 batters that he's faced. As an <laughs> opponents are batting nine for 48 against him. That's a 188 batting average against Trevor Gott. That'll baby. Do it. The Brewers pitching coach is similar to the Packers offensive line coach. You just know that we're going to get pitching. And on the Packers, you know we're just going to take these guys off the street. We're going to take these seventh-round picks, fifth-round picks, and we're just going to turn them into really, really good players. That's just yes. how it works. So, you know, it, it was really cool to see, too, to get Keston Hero some redemption because in the bottom or the top of the 11th, um, there was a double play ball. The throw was a little high by Colton Wong, but Kesson Hero wasn't able to, to reel it in. It went off the top of his glove. Um, mm-hmm. The error was charged to Colton Wong, but in that situation, Kesson Hero's got to jump and keep that ball in his glove because when that ball trickled away, that's what allowed the run to score. So yeah. it was nice to see Kesson Hero kind of get some redemption there and hit the walk-off home run. So that's where the Brewers stand today. They are off tomorrow um, with the Brewers looking at what's coming ahead Um Willie Adamas was placed on the 10-day injured list. It was retroactive to Monday, so he will be available as early as next Thursday. So um, with the offsite tomorrow, he's really only going to miss like six more games. Mm-hmm. Um, McCutcheon's probably going to be activated tomorrow. Um, they they reevaluated him today, said he wasn't really ready yet today, so they didn't activate him for today's game. But mm-hmm. he will probably be activated tomorrow, and then he'll be available to play on Friday when the Brewers start three-game series with the Nationals. And then they um, Monday they start a three-game series at San Diego. Um, I will be at Saturday's game. Courtney and I are going there the 90s night after Saturday yeah. night's game. So, Courtney and I will be there for that. But um, let's, do, let's do the fun stuff. So, we have a, a pitcher and a positional player for our power. I don't know if you want to do the positional player or if you want to do the pitcher first. Yes, Tim. Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas bobblehead day is on Sunday. That's on May twenty second. That's Willie Adamas day. That's the day we got Willie Adamas. So that's why his bobblehead is on Sunday. That's Willie Adamas day. Yes, sir. All right, pitcher first. I've I have a feeling. Uh, Let's start with pitcher. Yeah, I have a feeling we have the same one. Okay. I don't think we do. Uh, My pitcher is going to be Freddie Peralta. 
Yeah, we have the is same. That the one. same. Okay, yeah. Freddie Peralta was just brilliant. I got some dude. juicy stuff that I didn't share yet. Oh, I'm excited. Um, I, you know what? I should have known that we had the same one because you were like, "Gotta save it, gotta save it." Um, but dude, 10Ks, one walk, seven innings. I mean, against the defending champs to get that big momentum win. Like I said, good for the psyche. That's something that was was really really big. And you know, he needed a good outing against a good team. I think. Yeah, so Freddie Peralta was our stat of the week for Jake this week. Um, his last five starts before game one of the Braves series, he's 3-0 and with a 157 ERA, 38 strikeouts, six walks. Uh, his opponents were batting 168 against him, and he reached 500 career strikeouts. What I left out of that is that he did reach fat, uh, he reached the 500 strikeouts faster than Pedro Martinez. By a lot. Whoa, there you go. Freddie Martinez needed 510 innings to reach 300 strikeouts. Freddie Peralta did it in 372 and a third. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. That is much faster. faster. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, that's 100 and... 27 and two-thirds innings less for Freddie Peralta to reach 500 career strikeouts. Pretty good, I'd say. Pretty good. <laughs> He's our third best pitcher. That is <laughs> awesome. That, yeah, exactly. Our, our third best pitcher is on a faster strikeout pace than Pedro Martinez. Yeah, I'll take that to the bank <laughs> every Sunday. <laughs> All right, let's All go right. with uh, positional players here. Yeah, I know we have the same one for this one, too. Do we? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I picked Colton Wong. I couldn't Wong. pick anybody else because of the game that he had against the Marlins. Yep, that was the exact reason I did it too because he had three walks. That three-walk yep. game was massive. Um, and he was two for two, two yep. runs and an RBI in that game. You know um, what that game was? What's that? That was his thousandth career game. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he reached base all five times. That's crazy. I love Colton Wong. Um, and part of the reason that I did this, and this might sound funny to some people, I feel like we, you know, because we have good vibes, we give good energy, and we give good luck, you know? So, you know, we, we talked about Rowdy Telez and Adamas, yeah. and all of a sudden they just went crazy. Yeah, right? they both went nuts. <laughs> so now we're both going to talk about Colton Wong, and, you know, we're going to have Adamas missing. So hopefully Colton Wong is a guy that could step his game up, you know, with Adamas. I mean, you know, it's not a long, you know, drought that he's going to be out, but, you know, hopefully Colton Wong can ball out for a couple games here. And then I texted you, I was like, dude, I have Colton Long for my power pair. And then he has the, the triple, you know. <laughs> the game, yeah, the game-tying triple today. But he was 4-14. He had four walks, two RBIs, three runs. But, you know, he's just consistent. He always plays that defense. Yep. Um, he was a little high on the throw. But it's like, as the first baseman, you also have to help out your guy. Mm-hmm. And normally, you know, Keston's not a normal first baseman. So normally they're a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. So... You know, it is what it is, but Colton Wong is a gold-glove player on defense, and he can bat. He can rake, well, you know. You know, that's that's also – that's Keston Hira trying to make a play. So Keston yeah. Hira is trying to bring that ball down to make that double play, you know, not thinking in the back of his mind that, you know, if this ball drops, a run's going to score. Yeah. He's, he's thinking, let's get these two outs and get out of this inning. Yeah. Um, you know, not not so much thinking that, you know, let's get this, let's get this out. We'll have runners up first and third with two outs. You know, Castanier is trying to end the inning on that play. It's one of those situations where you don't fault effort. So, like, you know, you say, hey, Kesson, you know, we, we know you're trying to make a play. This is what you got to do in one of those situations. Um, 
Mike well, you want to know else. one of the most consistent offensive and defensive players I've seen in recent years. That is absolutely true. Colton Wong is gold level defender, gold glove level defender, and you can stick him in your leadoff every day and feel comfortable with it. But you know what else you know mm. goes along with that double play, and this is why we're so big on walks. If they wouldn't have walked the first batter, we wouldn't have been in that situation anyways. But it's you know that's nitpicking. It, mm. it is what it is. All right, so I want to throw something out there because there's there's so many so 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 many complaints about the Brewers offense still even though they are I think what 12 11 or 12 games over 500 now after today I think we're 10 I thought it was more than that we're 24 and 14 24 and 14 does that include today yep 24 and 14 So 24-14, 10 games over 500, and then you either get the people saying, oh, you know, we only won 2-1 to one or 1-0. to zero. Today it was 7-6. to six. Um, In addition to fire council, you know, the Brewers don't have enough offense. You know, the Brewers strike out too much. You know, this guy sucks. This guy's washed. This guy's not worth his contract. This, you know, all of this. The Brewers need to trade this person, this person, and this person. You know, we need to get rid of this person and this person and this person. All of that. Or, you know, the Brewers finally win a game like 7-6, to six, and then it's like, oh, it's just the Braves who are two games under five hundred or whatever, even though the Braves just won the, you know, the freaking World Series. They um, sucked in the first half of the year last year, too. Yeah. The Braves did. So did the Celtics. Yeah. True. Again, doesn't matter who you win against as long as you win. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I want to throw something out there for for the people saying they want the Brewers to play small ball because I keep seeing that so much. Like, why don't the Brewers play more small ball, get guys on base, and bunt them over? Brewers have hard enough time getting guys on base anyways without making three outs, and now you want to just give the other team additional outs just for free yeah. in, the, in the sake of moving guys 90 feet closer? When currently the Brewers are 18th in batting average, they are seventh in slugging and fourth in home runs. It's not bad. Now, let me give you, let me just give you a hypothetical situation here. Let's say you have a guy on first base with one out. Sure, you can bunt him over. Let's say, let's say it's. Let's say it's Luis Urias and Hunter Renfro is on deck. And Christian Yelich is on first base. Sure, you could say, let's play small ball. We'll use Luis Urias to bunt over Christian Yelich's second base. And then we'll have Hunter Renfro up with two outs and a guy in scoring position. Just mentioned with the game last night, the Brewers had guys in scoring position with two outs in the third, fourth, fifth, seventh, and eighth innings, and they didn't score any runs. And now you're going to put yourself in that position with two outs and a runner in scoring position where you haven't potentially scored a ton of runs. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my hypothetical. What if Hunter Renfro hits a home run? What benefit did you get at all from bunting the runner over? Zero. The The potential of having Luis Urias hit a single and have Yelich go from first to third or even from first to second and then that two-run home run becoming a three-run home run and still only having one out. 
That's the game the Brewers are playing. That's the game the Brewers are playing up here. If the Brewers were 25th in home runs, sure, I could see saying, let's play some small ball. The Brewers are 4th in home runs, 7th in slugging, but 18th in batting average, and you want to give the other team free outs by doing shit like bunting? No, the Brewers are not going to play small ball. The Brewers are going to have try to have plate discipline, which they struggle with at times. They need to get the strikeouts down. But they're going to try to get guys on base, and they're going to try to hit home runs and drive guys in. The Brewers are not going to play small ball. I'm sorry. They're not. Statistically and mathematically, it makes zero sense. I mean, does anybody play small ball anymore, really, except for situational? I mean, unless you you have, like, really specific roster construction that is built for that, like the Miami Marlins, I would say, because Jazz Chisholm is one of those guys where he gets on base and he's twitchy and it's like, okay, you know, you got to keep really close attention on him. But Mm -hmm. there's not that many guys in the league anymore. Just like like stealing bases. Like, yeah, it's cool when it happens, but it's not a really high percentage thing that really benefits you in a lot of ways. And again, fourth in home runs. Doesn't matter what base you're standing at when a home run gets hit, but it matters how many guys are on the bases when you hit them. That's true. That's so if you're gonna true. give if you're gonna give teams free outs by just tapping bunts to move a guy from first to second or second to third for your next guy to just hit a home run when you could have had an extra guy on base and one less out, why would you not want that? We are definitely analytics guys. I'll say that right <laughs> now. We are definitely <laughs> analytics guys. Yeah, I give like um, the the statistic that is most prevalent in these discussions and situations is um, expected runs. So you know the the, the expected runs from a guy on first base with no outs is higher than the runs expected with a guy on second base and one out. So you know the opportunity to score more runs. Is always going to be the situation you want to be in than trying to just score one run. Or when you have guys that can hit home runs. Like, that's where the Hunter Renfro trade benefits the Brewers massively. The dude already has, what, eight home runs? Nine? I think it's nine. How many did Jackie Bradley hit all of last year? Like, I think, eight? I think Adamas <laughs> and Renfro are tied for the team lead with nine. Yeah. And Rowdy has eight. Yep. Um, Oh, shit. We're the the Yankees in Wisconsin. Let's go. (laughs) Yankees West, Um, baby. (laughs) Yelich has five. Um, Colton Wong has two or three. Three. Peterson has three. Um, Peterson has three. I think Urias has one, but he spent the first month on the injured list. Yeah. Um, Oh, you might have two, actually. I know Tyrone Taylor only has one. Omar has one or two. So, I mean, like, you know, Keston has a couple now. Um he mashed so, that one today, dude. He, yeah, he did. He, he got straight away set all off of that scoreboard. Yeah, oh. he got all of that one. Uh, and yes, Michael, that's 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 basically what it comes down to is rising to the occasion. Um, I said this a couple weeks ago: is the Brewers they don't have necessarily a problem getting hits; they have a problem stringing hits together. Yeah, um, that's that's the the perfect example is last night where they had guys on base um, in scoring position five different times with two outs, and they couldn't plate those guys. Mm-hmm. That's how you lose a game three to zero, yeah. um, you know. And yes, there is a time for small ball, but you know, speed. Like I said, roster construction plays a huge, a huge part in that. If you have yeah. a team that's built for small ball, a team of a bunch of fast guys that can, you know, um, put the ball in play and 
and take some extra bases with their speed, but they're not going to hit a lot of home runs. Like if you have nine Gene Seguras on your team, like, yeah, you can play small ball. <laughs> but I mean, if you have Willie Adamas and Christian Yelich and Rowdy Telez and Hunter Renfro on your team, like why, what benefit does it have for you to have a guy from first to second and an extra out? I agree. Give me first and second with one out and let's turn that two run home run into a three run home run. So that's, I got really super deep on that, but, um, you know, the, all the complaining about the offense when this is what the Brewers do. This is how the Brewers are built. They're going to try to put a couple guys on base and then they're going to try to hit a home run. Like I said, how baseball works now. Fourth, fourth in major league baseball and home runs. That's not fourth in the national league. That's fourth in major league baseball. Um, I do agree, Michael, that the Cardinals are built for a combination of both. Um, they got some, some speed guys and then some power guys. Mm -hmm. Um, some guys that do both. Um, like Nolan Arenado, for example, he can kind of do both. Um, I was surprised to see Paul DeYoung not, not doing so well after being an all-star like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, back to the Brewers, you know, fourth in home runs, seventh in slugging, 18th in batting average. Why are you going to try to give the other team extra outs? Don't know. Doesn't make sense to me either. <sighs> All right, that was my piece. I don't know if you have anything else you want to say. That was very well put together. I think I that I can. you, I think you covered all the bases. Oh, well played. <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm getting better, baby. <laughs> Woo! Right. That was a good one. That felt good. That felt that good. good. I was think I was cooking that up in here, baby. Well played. That was well played. <laughs> but you know, on a serious note, I think you did cover everything. Um, you know. Baseball, is, you know, there's high strikeout numbers because there's a lot of people hitting home runs. Um, if the Brewers can just up that average, you know, get up into the top, you know, top 12, top 10, I mean, we'll, be, just we'll be just put, fine. That goes along with just putting the ball in play. Yeah, we will be just fine. The way that our pitching works, we can compete yep. with anybody. Yep. If we start hitting the baseball like, like we probably should be, I mean – we haven't really had a perfectly healthy roster all year. We've right. had this guy out, and then this guy's out, and then this guy comes back, and then this guy goes out. So once we put it all together, I like our roster. I think mm -hmm. we can we can play with anybody. Um, but yeah, other than that, no, I think you did a really good job putting that all together, man. All right, bud. Well, <clears throat> it is worth noting that um, today is not our last episode of the week. No, um, sir. We got a bonus episode coming up this Friday. I know some of the people that have been in the comments section, Chelsea for sure is excited for it. Um, Friday, we're doing our next bonus episode. We are doing Green Bay Packers trivia slash drinking game. Let's that go, is, baby. Uh, yours truly is hosting. I will be reading the questions. I will also be part of the drinking game. I just won't be drinking for getting questions wrong. But... Um, <laughs> You know, we got a, a list of words that are part of the drinking game. Somebody says that you drink, um, and then getting questions wrong. And whoever gets the most questions right each round gets to assign drinks to people. So um, Packers trivia and drinking game is going to be a lot of fun. Um, that's coming up on Friday. And Jake and I, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert on some news that we're probably going to be able to fully reveal next week. But Jake and I are also starting a blog with two friends of ours, Simon and Bryant. Uh, yep. It's going to be it's going to be called Wisco Confidential. Uh, mm -hmm. We have one article already released by Bryant, who was very eager to get going on it. So um, we mm -hmm. appreciate him for that. Um, so that's going to be 
tied to a new sponsor of the show that we will have uh, revealed fully next week when we have every all the details ironed out and yep, stuff. Yep, so we're yep, very yep. excited to reveal that as well. Um, yep, yep. And we'll probably fully roll that out next week. But um, we are also starting a blog that kind of ties into our show a little bit and some of the some of the things that we think and talk about. So we're excited I for that too. I think the potential for this blog is – I don't know what the potential is. It's you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of everywhere, man. But I love the idea of everything that we've talked about. I love how it's coming about. I love uh, you know the the structure that we're building. Um, if you guys watched our live episode during the draft, Brian yep. and Simon, yeah, they, those us for are the that. two. So, yep, those are the two guys that are going to be writing with us. So if you're looking to put faces to names, those are the two people. Yep. Uh, I respect both of their opinions. They both know their stuff. You know, yep. when it comes to the Packers, we don't like the same baseball or football team, so that's why they're yep. not joining us. Yeah, for that. Simon but, lives in Texas, and he's a fan of here, 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 and here. Yeah, kind of like some of our other friends that we have, but yeah. Um, and then I think Bryant, I think I don't know if he lives in Minnesota, but he's a he's a fan of some other Minnesota teams. So um I know he's a twins and wild fan. I don't know about yeah. basketball, but But he is um, a Packers fan, so at least he yep, got they're, smart they're in that both area. Packers fans, yep. They're both Packers fans. So <laughs> um so those um, two will probably be putting Packers content together for us. The four of us are gonna collectively put some stuff together. Um yep. and then between Jake and I we're gonna try to also pick out some other content for um the Packers and the Bucks and the Brewers and the Badgers. So Yep, yep. Um, um actually to, good just Good news on the Badgers. Yeah. Did you see who they just signed uh, for um, basketball? Gus. Gus Bus. Bro, you watch his highlight videos? I haven't. Bro, he's he so like player. He's smooth as hell. He's called <laughs> Baby Jokic, dude. Really? Dude, he's got handles. He's got handles. Great. He can finish. He, dude, there's one video where it starts out and he just blocks the hell out of a shot. And I'm like, Jokic doesn't do that. Why is he called Jokic? <laughs> but no, the handles and and the the ability for him to run the floor as the big man that's that's gonna be massive. Yeah, he's he's super super smooth. He's gonna be great for the Badgers. So maybe we can dive in. That could be that could be something that we write about. I don't know. Oh yeah. Or sure. or sure. or I'm just spitballing here, kind of out loud. We can do something get people excited about this Badgers football team coming up pretty soon mm-hmm. here. Um, we yep. got some stuff to look forward to. Oh yeah. Um, at that's the, 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 that's day, the nice thing about our show being all Wisconsin sports and not just being a Bucks show or a Packers show yeah, or a Brewers yeah. show. We, you can get it all in one place here from yep. the same guys. You don't have to have five different podcasts that you listen to for all your favorite teams. Um, you get a one-stop shop here. But um, Jake and I are also um, have been kicking around the idea of adding a second show during Packers season mm-hmm. um, and having you know keeping the Wednesday show. And when Packers season rolls around, doing just Packers shows on Friday nights. Um, just because we feel the Packers are so – they're such an attention getter that we want to be able to devote as much time to them as we feel we can um, to still put out good content with it and be able to talk about it for however long we end up talking about it and we feel that we're putting out good content um, without having to sacrifice the quality of talking about the Bucks who will start during Packers season, the Badgers who will start during Packers season, and the Brewers who could potentially still be playing during Packers season. Um, And then on top of that, Badger football that rolls over with a lot of Packers season. So, um, you know, when we have two, three, four teams going on all at once, um, you know, the one that ends up taking the longest to talk about is the Packers. So we want to kind of just give them their own space and, Mm -hmm. you know, be able to have that – and not sacrifice the quality of any of our content. I agree. 
I think that's a great idea. Um, it's definitely something we talked about for a while. Uh, we just didn't have the following or the format to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it feels like things are falling into place. So we got a lot of exciting things happening over here. We are putting in the work. We appreciate everybody that shows up every week and comments. Yes. Um, we, If we're doing something wrong, if there's something that we're not doing correctly, something that you'd like to see differently, please tell us because we are oh, yeah. open to con- oh, yeah. constructive criticism. Uh, we're, we're here to please you guys. Uh, we're having fun on the way. But I'm really, really looking forward to this bonus episode this week, dude. I've been thinking about it for like a month. <laughs> like, I'm so excited. Here's, this is this is the book right here. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. But... Team Trivia, pa- Green Bay Packers, the ultimate gridiron challenge. That is the book that are coming out of here. Um, who the hell, who, who's who's the song that says blame it on the alcohol? Blame it on the ah, 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 ah. Uh, That's Jamie Foxx and T-Pain. Okay, well, whoever said it. If I get a question wrong, I'm pulling a Jamie Foxx, okay? You just blaming it on the alcohol. up and ready to go. I'm going to look it up because I want to make sure that I have that right. I'm pretty sure it's... It's definitely Jamie Foxx. I don't know the other one in there, though. Yeah, have you Jamie thought Fox about possibly doing it. some primetime shows? Primetime? Primetime how? Yeah. A question there. See, so Friday night, we're thinking about going live at, like, what, 7, 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock, yeah. 8 o'clock, so that's pretty primetime to me. 8 o'clock yeah, on a Friday night. That's definitely prime time, yeah, if you're asking, that's... asking for people's weekend, first weekend night. Um, you know, that's, that's some prime time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big commitment. Um, we're asking yeah. for people's attention when, you know, when they could be going to do stuff. But that's just during Packers season that we're going to do every Friday night. Um, yeah. Once Packers season is over, then we're going to go back to our monthly bonus episodes. Um, and then we'll have, you know, once a month on Friday nights will be our bonus episodes. And then during Packers season – back to to every friday night during packer season so um i think that's how we're gonna i think that's how we're gonna run it so we're gonna have wisco fanatic wednesdays and wisco fanatics fridays and when we say eight o'clock we mean god dang eight o'clock yes. okay we will be yep. there at eight o'clock yep we are not that's messing good. around with this it's something that we actually love something that yep. we actually care about is something that we're actually trying to build mm-hmm. so when we say eight o'clock on friday we're there at eight o'clock when we say you four can, o'clock yeah, on wednesday can, we're here yep. at four o'clock that's just yep. how it works Yep, you can. Yeah, you can count at us to be on time, because you know we say it, we mean it. That's when we're starting, and you know we're gonna have it ready to go. We're gonna have the discussion points ready to go. Um, that's with with Simon and Bryant are two guys that we're looking at bringing in to join yep. us on yep. those Friday night shows because we appreciate their perspective and because we 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 preach that so much of of taking those different perspectives. So we want to give more perspectives because we do believe that those two know what they're talking about yep. and can thrive in a structure like ours where we, you know, we structure out the topics and things like that and what we talk about. Um, so it'll continue to be Jake and I just on Wednesdays and then yep. um, Fridays during Packer season, we're going to bring in Simon and Bryant when they're available and, um, and just keep giving the perspective and, and taking all these, you know, all these sports teams that we love so much and, and trying to put an optimistic spin and a positive spin on them so that people can take that optimistic thought process with their teams, put it out to other people, and you know, hopefully put it into their lives and, and start getting people to take that, that positive and optimistic spin in their lives, not just um, you know, looking at their sports teams. So that's ultimately what Jake and I are trying to do. So yes. um, we appreciate people that stick with us and appreciate what we're doing because that means a lot to us. Yes, it does. Um, 
With that being said, I'm going to go hang out with my family. Sounds like my girlfriend's having a hell of a time with that baby upstairs. So <laughs> I'm going to go calm this baby down. Uh, I'm not actually going to, but I have to beat my stepson um, because his mom keeps yelling at him. And then I got to cook dinner. So All right. <laughs> I don't give up, but I will hear both of you guys are doing an awesome job. Thank you, Michael. I really, really appreciate, appreciate that. that, man. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of sacrifice, man. Um, a guy who just had a baby, myself. Uh, Tyler has two kids. Um, I also have a nine-year-old working a full-time job. I mean, we, I got some funky hours I'm working. Uh, Tyler just got a new job. You know, that's really really benefiting yep. him. I'm gonna be doing that pretty soon. But it's a lot of sacrifice, but it's something that's I, worth it to me. I quit playing two sports to to devote more time and energy to this. Yeah, so. didn't even think about that, man. Yeah, yeah. think about that. I mean, I I. Paid six hundred dollars for my Xbox, and I play it maybe once a week now. Maybe me too. You know, and that's it's that's crazy to me. You know, a guy that used I, every day that was the thing I looked forward to for most of my twenties was, all right, when I don't work, I'm gonna go play some Xbox, go play Xbox, go play Xbox, and now it's maybe once a week. That's crazy. But oh, you're growing up. I'm gonna bring a tear to my eye. That's uh, Jake's growing up now. That's grown man stuff right there, baby. <laughs> Michael, honestly, bottom of my heart, I appreciate that. I really do. All right. We hope everybody else that's listening, watching, um, you know, tuning in, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or whether you're listening to the podcast later on or watching us live or watching us later. Um, we appreciate it. And we, we hope you'll tell people so they can come and watch us too and hang out with us in the comments too. That's why we do the show live so we can interact with people so we can have that genuineness. So that's why we do the show live. So Tim has been with us for a long time. I see Tim. In the Tim's a Tim's a goddamn OG on the Wisco yeah, Fanatics yeah. page, baby. Yeah. He's been hey. with us next since the beginning. <laughs> Hell yeah, he has. When we had 40 so, yeah, followers. So, yeah, when we had 40 followers, yeah. Taylor's been with us for a long time, too. Taylor likes yeah. the show. He said, he said, yeah. we are, we said, uh, Taylor said that we are his favorite podcast a couple weeks ago. So, hey, um, you can never that's take love, that away from baby. Us. <laughs> that's love. That is I don't love. care if you get another favorite podcast, Taylor. Well, you said that to us once, and uh, that's getting framed, and it's going to go right here. And I hope you said that to us first, because then we can always be first. <laughs> Let's go. All right, man. Well, I will see you Friday night for the bonus yes, episode. All right. All Peace right. out, my be man. Then. Everybody have fun. Be safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.